Life is about priorities. If you get it messed up the first time, then don't try to fix all the priorities after that. You have to establish what is the first order of business in your life. You are watching Kingdom Insight Television Network, KITV, inspiring you to grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory. If you have been impacted by this network, send us your testimony at info at kitvnetwork.com. Keep watching your inspirational network. When I woke up this morning, I got a call from a young man that I baptized 25 years ago. And we, we were talking for a while. He is going off into ministry and he was talking with me about the group of young men that got baptized on the same day. And I came down to the kitchen and I was standing there with my wife and I began to think about what is the legacy each of us will leave Is there somebody, is there one person that has come to know Jesus Christ because you were in their life? Because you shared with them your faith, lived before them in an exemplary manner that they came to know Jesus. The greatest legacy I believe, just my conviction, the greatest legacy that you and I can ever leave is a soul in the kingdom of God. Everything else, everything else, houses, cars, money in the bank, it will all burn. It's only the soul that has an eternal value. Amen. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 18. Shall we read? Shall we stand for the reading? What did I say? I did not say Samuel. You heard Samuel. I said Timothy. Shall we read? First Timothy chapter 6. I did not say Samuel. You heard that. My goodness. Alrighty. First Timothy. Mm. That they do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute. Willing. To communicate. Father bless your word. In Jesus' name. Please be seated. A farmer, many years ago, this is actually a true story. It, was, it happened in 1978. A farmer ran a classified, ads in, a classified ad in the newspaper. And here's what it says. Farmer with 160 irrigated acres of land is looking for a marriage-minded woman 
who owns a tractor. When replying to this ad, please send a photograph of the tractor. He had established his priority. Life, brothers and sisters, is about priorities. Life is about priorities. The Bible is a book of priorities. God's priorities, man's priorities. You and I all have priorities and we live our lives based on the priorities that we have established in life. But the question I want to pose this morning to you and I is, are those priorities that we have now, particularly for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, are those priorities that we have now any different from the priorities we had before we came to know Jesus Christ? Or do we have the same priorities that we had before our lives were changed? Because a changed life, a changed Life requires new priorities. Did you hear? How many of you remember the song we used to sing? Well, most of you look old enough to know. When we were kids growing up, there's a song we used to sing, The Things I Used to Do. I Do Them No More. There's been a great change. One man said that the today's Christian have changed that song and that what they sing is the things I used to do. I do them some more. Yeah. Priorities. I heard another story. I would not dare to say that this one is true, but it bears repeating. A group of friends went out deer hunting one weekend and they paired off in groups of two for the day. At the end of the day, when nightfall came, the hunters returned and they noticed that there was one hunter who came back alone, staggering under the weight of a 200-pound deer that he had over his shoulder. The other hunters asked him, so where is Bob, his other friend? The lone man dropped the deer to the ground and says, oh, he had a stroke of some kind a few miles down the trail. Your hunters were shocked and asked, so why did you leave Bob lying there and carry the deer instead? The man said, man, it was a really tough call, but I figured out that no one was going to steal Bob. <laughs> Life is about priorities. I have mine and you have yours. But the question that we must ask ourselves is, have we been intentional about changing our priorities since we have had a change of heart, since we've had a change of life? Or the things that were important to us back then are still important to us now? Have we adjusted our perspective on the values of our life. In fact, should I ask you, are we living a value-based life or a values-based life? Because your values will determine your priorities. What's important to you, what's important to me, 
will determine what gets scaled up to the top of the list. Whether we think about it or not, we are all living our lives according to our priorities. And a priority simply is something that is first, has first importance in our lives. Those things that we place higher up in value than others. Tell you not a story. Today's a storytelling day. A pilot came onto the intercom one time. They were flying over the Atlantic. Came on the intercom and says, ladies and gentlemen, here is your captain. I have good news and bad news. I'll give you the bad news first. The bad news is that we are lost. But the good news is we are making excellent time. Life is about priorities. If you get it messed up the first time, then don't try to fix all the priorities after that. You have to establish what is the first order of business in your life. You're not making excellent time if you're lost. Wrong priority. Get found first. Then tell me about making time. The Bible encourages us that we need to check the map of God's word to ensure that we are on the right road. And there are many of us here today, and I believe this is not an attempt to point out you necessarily or isolate your circumstance and situation um, for scrutiny, but it's really an acknowledgement that we all have something that we are dealing with in life. Every one of us are at a point today where we have had circumstances and experiences in life that have thrown us off track. And many of us are at a point right now where you are not quite sure if you are ever going to get back on track with your life. One thing after the other that have pushed you more and more. There's a young man in my congregation that I used to pass years ago was a young pilot. God blessed him. He was able to purchase two aircraft, started a small company. We were talking one day and he was explaining to me a few things about flying and so on. And one of the things I found out, he said to me, he said, the, the truth is, Pastor, every now and then you set a flight plan, but every now and then you have to keep readjusting it. There, there are all kinds of elements that keeps pushing the plane off track. The weather changes, things changes. You have to keep recalibrating to ensure that you stay on, on track. And that's the way life is. That there are things that keeps hitting you every now and then. And you have to constantly keep checking your spirit to ensure that you are back on target and on track with your life. When you run out of gas, your first priority is not to wash the car. <laughs> your first priority is not to wax it and buff it and have it look and shine. Your first priority is to get to a gas station. And it is interesting how religion has caused us to believe that we run out of gas spiritually, but we focus a lot on the externals of our life. We focus a lot on the physical of the Christian life, doing the right things. No, get to a gas station and get filled up. Get to a place where your spiritual life can be reinvigorated by the power and the presence of God. That's the first order of business. Not cleaning the car, filling it up. Look at somebody and tell them, get filled up. The question to you again, is there any difference between God's plan for our life and our own life goals? 
When I first got involved in government, it became necessary for me to begin to examine my heart in sincerity because there are opportunities available to you. Power has a way of shifting your focus and there are opportunities available to you when you are wielding some degree of influence and power that you can very unwisely shift your focus and think that this is God when it's really you. And it became necessary ever so often for me to examine my motives and to ask myself, is this you, Gilbert? Is this you wanting influence? Is this you wanting recognition? Is this you wanting power? Are you blindly chasing an agenda and convincing yourself that it is God's leading? The most dangerous thing that can happen to you is to not be able to make a distinction between your own self-will and agenda and life goals and the will of God for your life. We can chase after things very foolishly because we desire it and we can call it the will of God. That's a trick of the enemy. When we talk about leadership, and, and Pastor King was talking about leadership a bit earlier, one of the first things I would say to people when I teach on leadership is that the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. First responsibility of a leader is to define reality. My definition of a leader is that every single person is a leader. You are all leaders here today. And the first person you lead is yourself. But we lead at different levels. Therefore, your responsibility in leading your life is to define your reality. Ask yourself, where am I? When God came calling for Adam, it was not that he was seeking to locate Adam geographically. Because God knew exactly where he was geographically. He says, Adam, where are you? God was trying to get Adam to locate himself. To ask the question, where are you? And the question to you today is, where are you? Do you know where you are? Do you know how far off you have drifted and justifying the reason you are where you are? Well, it's my wife, it's my husband, it's the church I go to, it's the hypocrites, it's the government, it's you. Now, we can blame everybody for being the cause of you getting off track. Falling down is not a sin, really. But staying down is unforgivable. When you fall, you have to decide that you are going to get up and fix your life. You're going to get up and get back on track. Is anybody listening? So there's a, dig, a big difference between temporary and eternal priorities, and we must know the difference between temporary priorities and eternal priorities. There are some temporary priorities that we must fix because those tempor temporary priorities will also have an impact on your eternal priorities. Are you listening? Paul's letter in the New Testament encourages us to examine the priorities of our life. Are you listening? Those priorities, therefore, we must examine whether they are temporary or they are eternal. Question to you is our main goal in life, our main goal, pleasing God or pleasing man. 
Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Pursue those things. Then he goes on to say, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are called. He is establishing what your energies should be poured into. He's establishing what your priorities ought to be. Notice he did not say, pursue an education. Oops. I do believe you need to pursue an education, by the way. You got too many dumb people in church. I say that with all love and sincerity. The devil tries to keep God's people dumb. Study to show yourself approved, the Bible says. Study to show yourself approved. Because if you know, you can't be deceived. I read something yesterday about some Christian witch. And I'm thinking to myself, what nonsense. And they had a convention. Hmm? I'm looking at a video where a man who calls himself a man of God has hundreds of people eating grass on their knees. Yes, in the world in which we live. How daft can one be? When you know you can't be deceived. When you learn you can't be deceived. I hold the view that you have a greater responsibility now in these times in which we live as pew members, people who sit in the pews. You have a greater responsibility now, more than ever before, to educate yourself in the things of God. Because there are charlatans and Pentecostal pimps who stand in these pulpits and beguile God's people. And if you don't know, you will be taken as enslaved by doctrines of devils. You have to learn. And don't take everything you hear from the pulpit as gospel. Study the word of God for yourself. I am telling you, I am, it, it upsets me some of the things I hear coming from the, the pulpits these days. It's not doctrine. In fact, it is, but it's doctrines of devils. And you have to know. Study the word. So he says, pursue. Pursue. But you have to pursue love. Are you listening? Yes. Eternal life to which you were called. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called. He's talking about the priorities of your life. What is it we are relentlessly chasing after? And abandoning the most important things. Running after temporal things. He tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 and 14, there is going to come a time of testing on the judgment day. To see what kind of work each builder has done. Our works will be tried. Are you listening? Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether it can keep its value. What kind of works are we putting out these days? What kind of value can we attach to our works these days? I want to say something to you, brethren. Do not, do not miss 
interpret my motives. When I speak to you this way, I speak not to condemn you. I said to the leaders yesterday, it is my hope. We are not as young as we were. We are aging. We are still young people, by the way. I need to put that in. And I need to state it emphatically. We're still young, but we're not as young as we were. It is our hope, it is our prayer that the Lord would give us an opportunity to be here for, for as long as he wants us to be here and to build. It's my hope that just as Bishop Brigham was able to retire comfortably and he and Sister Eunice looking like two young people traveling the globe, that we would be able to retire as well, having served here well. Are you following what I'm saying? So for the season that God would have us in this place, our number one responsibility is that whoever comes through these doors, they are properly, thoroughly prepared for heaven. That's it. So, whatever you hear coming from my mouth is to ensure that you are being prepared for heaven. Did you hear me? I want you to be blessed. I want you to have lots of money. I want you to have good health. I want you to get married, all you single people up in here. <laughs> Sister Phyllis, I will lay hands on you when the service is finished. <laughs> but that's not my number one priority. My number one priority is to ensure that you make it into heaven, for God's sake. Hell is not a place that anyone should go to. Are you listening to me? I've seen too many suffering as a pastor, young pastor, doing three funerals in a week and a wedding on Saturday and a baby dedication on Sunday morning. I've gone through all of those seasons of watching human suffering. This filthy life and world has nothing of value to give to you. The greatest investment you can make is in your eternal security. Are you hearing me? I know some of you are saying, but I still want to find out for myself. That's a foolish mistake. Why do you want to find out that the fire can burn when I am telling you it burnt me? Why do you want to get burned for yourself? There's a reason God sends us preachers. Anyone hearing? Lay hold of eternal life. He is saying, that's a priority of your life. Pursue things of eternal value. Anyone hearing? And he tells us this because in uh, verse 13 and 14, there's going to come a time of testing on Judgment Day. Anyone here? When our works are put through the fire, if it survives the fire, if it survives the fire, then we shall receive a reward. So it's not all doom and gloom it's a promise that if we if our works are good enough and our works are built with an eternal value or done with an eternal perspective in mind there is a reward to receive at the end of this that's a good place to praise God yes. having the wrong priorities in our lives also is like trying to button your shirt and missing the first one 
If you try to put on your short and you miss the first one, no matter how much you pull it. I was sharing with the leaders yesterday about the whole idea of the sheet too short. I don't know if many, many of you are familiar with that terminology of the sheet too short. The sheet too short is the whole issue of trying to spread a queen-size sheet on a king-size bed. No matter which direction you pull it in, it's not going to fit. And when, when, when we have wrong priorities, trying to button up the shirt incorrectly, if the first button is wrong, all the others will not line up. The shirt's going to be twisted. And you may try to do a little bit of uh, what, what we, we call it. Cosmetic fixing by cutting off the bottom of the shirt to get it to line up, but it's still not going to work. What you have to do, you have to loose it all out, start all over again, and fix the top. <laughs> fix the first priority. If we don't fix the first priority, the other priorities of our lives will not line up. And it's a futile thing to watch people and it's futile, it's painful to watch people trying to fix these little things, areas in their lives and you're, you're, you're standing there knowing in your heart that the reason it's not lining up and they're trying to pull all of this together is because they got the first button wrong. And you're trying to tell them, listen man, this is not going to work. Yeah, this is going to work. You know how long I've been working on this. This is going to turn out just fine. It's not going to turn out just fine. The shirt's going to be done. You're going to be done doing it. But at the end of the process, you'll be a frustrated life because when you stand back and look at it, it is still not fixed. Fix the first priority of your life. And everything else will line up. Amen. I bind every cell, phone, spirit in the name of Jesus. What is the first button? What is the first priority? Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. We ought to know that by heart by now. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all. All these things that you seek. Shall be added shall be added seek first get the right button up and all the others it becomes a breeze it's always amazing that they're human beings who think they're smarter than god the way they conduct their lives they give you the impression that they're smarter than god they're working so hard to line up and they're they're actually showing you how they're getting it lined up See, it's working it's working for me and you take it to yourself, yeah, it's going to work. It's going to work. I mean, it's just, a, and it's, it's just an issue of common sense. It's going to work for a season. But at the end of the process, when you stand back, I don't know what time that's going to be. Maybe when you retire or when you are at death's door. I don't know when it is you'll have to stand back. But when you stand back and take a look at all of the, all of the activities of your life, then you'll realize 
it wasn't fixed. I learned something from my father-in-law that I passed on to my sons. I'd gone to visit my wife one evening and my father-in-law was coming home and he got stuck, his vehicle got stuck in some uh, sand. So we went out to try to help him to get it out and so on. And I'm trying to help him to get the jack onto the vehicle. And um, you know, I'm in a hurry because there's a young lady back at the house I want to talk to badly. So I don't want to be stuck here all night trying to get a car out of a rut. So I put the jack on her and we're doing it. And we started and the process started and the jack slipped out. And he looked at me and he says, young man, if you'll do anything, do it right the first time. I pray to God he never told my wife. And I tell my sons that. Do it right, do it once. Do it right, do it once. If you don't do it right, you'll have to do it four or five times, and six and seven times, and eight and ten times. If you do it right, you'll just have to do it once.